You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, and we're off and running, people. This Thursday, September 10th, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Good morning. Welcome in. Jam-packed Thursday edition. So let's just dive right in. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. You can find me on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question. We got another one of them today. We got the uh, moment of inspiration, 530-ish. How could we ever squeeze it all into one hour? I don't know how we're going to do it. And chance, if you are a, a frequent listener to the program, you know we probably won't. But let's try anyway. So many things, not the least of which, football is back, people. Football has returned. 221 days since the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Feels longer, doesn't it? If I, if I gave you the over of 200 days, you'd say, oh, it's way longer than that. Feels a lot longer than that. But football returns tonight. Season opens up tonight. You get the Chiefs. You get the Texans. And I think, I don't want to go out on a limb, but I think by the end of this show, Patrick Mahomes will probably already have three touchdown passes. I think. Well, we'll find out as the show goes along. And, you know, I had to laugh yesterday because I was driving around a little bit listening to the K Show, and they had Steve Levy on, new play-by-play voice of Monday Night Football. Great spot. The story he told of when he broke the news to his kids that he had gotten the job, phenomenal story. But I did have to laugh because, you know, one of the things that he said he was looking towards this season, he pointed out, you know, the officiating, at least early on, could be a bit rough. You know, no preseason games, some new roughs, and uh, new refs. And I was thinking to myself, when is the officiating in the NFL not rough? I mean, I think that's a pretty safe bet. I'm sure before. I'm sure by tomorrow morning we will be screaming about one call, this thing or the other. Certainly by Monday. Certainly by the end of Week One. But maybe the NBA game of the year last night. The Islanders somehow found a way to uh, an even more painful way to lose. I got a couple of Sam Darnold things that I got to get off my chest after listening to the station and listening to other people talk. Uh, One very big Steve Nash point. But you know, if you're listening right now at 5.02 on a Thursday morning, that I buried the lead. Because the lead is, hold on to your hats, the Yankees won a baseball game. An actual win. Not a moral victory, an actual victory. One that goes in the left-hand column. Above 500 again. Scored seven runs, all in the same game. That was not a doubleheader. They scored seven runs in nine innings. They scored runs. They didn't give up many runs. The bullpen worked. The Yankees are back, people. The Yankees are back. Well, maybe maybe not back just, well, you know what, they're back. Yes. Oh, thank God. It's been so long. It feels so good. Doesn't it feel good? Oh, I, I can think of one analogy that I just can't use on the air, but it just feels like um, you, you just had a load taken off your hands, if you know what I mean. They might not be back, but, you know, let's see if they can actually, you know, string a couple of wins together. But they beat the Blue Jays last night, 7-2. Just what the doctor ordered, just what the GM needed, just what the manager was demanding. 
well, maybe not demanding, but certainly what he was begging for, what we all needed. We couldn't take it. It really wasn't joy. That's ode to joy, the song, but it was really ode to relief because that's what the Yankees were desperately needing. I couldn't imagine the level of panic if they had gotten swept yesterday. But hats off to Davey Garcia. You know, we've heard about Davey Garcia for a while. He's had a couple of starts already. Last night, his third start. I think you'd have to say his second excellent one and his biggest one, right? Losing streak on the verge of getting swept, on the verge of falling under 500 against the team or one of the teams that you are chasing. And things feeling like they are spiraling out of control. He gives up two runs over seven innings, retires 15 of the last 16 he faced. And you know what's really impressed me about Davey Garcia is that you would think for a guy who did not have great control in the minors and is coming up on this big stage. Now, look, maybe the fact that there's no fans in the stands maybe takes some of the pressure off, but that was a high-pressure spot last night. And now in three starts, he's walked two batters and he struck out 18. So you've already seen why Brian Cashman and the Yankees did not want to part with him at the trade deadline. And the Yankees... One thing you have to say, we've, we've spent the last few days crushing Brian Cashman for this thing or that thing, and there's a lot to criticize. I think it's still fair to criticize him on a lot of things. But one thing that they have been excellent at under Brian Cashman is not giving away their own guys who turn out to be superstars. Now, I'm not going to say that Davey Garcia is going to turn out to be a superstar just yet. It's three starts, but it was a big start last night. And you could say right now through this point of the season – that might be the biggest start the Yankees have had. They needed a win last night, and they got a win last night. Great to see Glaber Torres return. We we're just talking about him yesterday, and, and you know what has happened to him. I mean, he was a guy who was uh, you know really one of the linchpin guys in that order. I think part of it has been the injury. Got off to a slow start even before that. But when you're listing from this point forward, right from where the Yankees are now to where they need to be, if you're listing the guys who just simply need to return to what they are to boost the team, you'd have to say Glaber Torres is number one. If Glaber Torres just gets back to being Glaber Torres, that's a huge step in the right direction. Huge step in the right direction. Now, Yankees did win, much-needed win, get a little breathing room again, and the uh, the, uh, chase for that eighth playoff spot. And I hate to bring up a negative because – That's just not who I am. You know me. I'm about bringing people together. But can I just simply point out, is that it on Sanchez? Like like the plan for him was to bench him for two days and then just go from there? Is that that the plan? You know what? Like it's almost like. Remember back in the day when you had like a PlayStation or an Atari or whatever, and uh, the game wasn't working, so you just you took the game out of the console and you you blew into it, thinking that that was going to get it going. That's kind of feel like uh, what the Yankees did with Gary Sanchez. You know, they sat him down for two days. That's it, and then they just get right back into playing him every day and his non-competitive at bats. It, it, it doesn't look like uh, that was really, I mean, that's the plan. For all the analytics people that the Yankees have, all the different things about rest, about this thing, about that thing, the best that they could do for a plan for Gary Sanchez was simply to sit him down for two days and then just go back to playing him basically every day? Because that seems like what's going to happen now. 
seems like now they're just going to play him every single day. Well, not every single day because he's a catcher, but you know what I'm saying. He's just going to get his regular bats, and then you hope that he's going to run into one every once in a while. Doesn't seem like, and it's funny because uh, last night during the game, you know, they're talking to Paul O'Neill about Sanchez's slump, and you know, O'Neill saying all the right things. You know, it's very hard; it hurts your confidence. If O'Neill was hitting one twenty, could you imagine what a lunatic he would have been? They, he would have had to have sat in the dugout like Hannibal Lecter to make sure they didn't injure anybody with the bat and the water coolers and everything else that he would have been throwing around. He would have stabbed somebody, hit 120. Are you kidding me? And Sanchez, at this point, you know, there are guys that you watch that you can't take your eyes off of because they're so good and you want to see what they're going to do next. I almost feel like Sanchez is in the same. I can't take my eyes off him when he's up. I think it's just because I have to feel the torture. But here's the deal for the Yankees. And I guess the, the way I, you know, I was thinking about it yesterday, what, where's the level of uh, panic or, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, you, you got to get moving right now, right? That's the thing. And I was thinking about moving. You ever move from where you live? And, and I'm not talking about when you're single or when you go to college. You know, I'm talking about like when you're married or with kids, when you have actual stuff, stuff you probably don't even need, but you got all this stuff and you're going to move to a new house or a new apartment or whatever. And when maybe you're like me, maybe not. But when you first get the, the, the information, you get the news, all right, we're going to be moving to this new place. When you first get that news, you, you start planning, right? You get the boxes from Home Depot. You label everything up. You get some nice bubble wrap. You're, you're taking your time. You're doing it right. Everything's on schedule. You have a system. But at some point, Time starts to slip away, and you get to the stage. It, 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 it you know, eventually gets to the point where you're just throwing things into black garbage bags, just firing things in. You got no time left, and you got too much to do. That's the Yankees. Right now, it's time to start firing things into black garbage bands, uh, bags and, and get ready to move. And hopefully, they have now reached rock bottom, and now hopefully, things will start moving in the right direction. And look, they don't need things at least during the regular season to move too much in the right direction they need to win more games than they're losing that's it and they should even with the lineup being what it is even with the bullpen questions being what it is even with the rotations beat questions being what it is the Yankees should be able to win more games than they lose and as as long as they do that they will be in fine shape to make the playoffs once you get to the playoffs it's a whole nother question But getting in the playoffs, I mean, again, the teams the Yankees are competing against for that eighth playoff spot are the Orioles, who just blew a 5-1 lead to the Mets, and the Tigers, who lost 19-0 yesterday. So the playoffs are very much still within reach. Now, the second story, speaking of the playoffs, and I don't know whether they're in reach or not, but the Islanders, the Eastern Conference Finals, first time, 27 years. And boy, oh boy, it feels like the thing just started. And it feels like, especially with the way uh, the game ended last night, that it's maybe not over just yet, but it certainly feels like it's uh, teetering, right? Like I said about the Yankees uh, a couple of days ago, you don't have to hit the panic button, but you might want to know where it is. Because the Islanders, who went out in game one and just got thoroughly trashed, okay, fine, you, you, you sweep that one away, 8-2. They went out last night and actually found a tougher way to lose. They fall 2-1 to the Lightning. So Tampa's now leading the series two games to none. And game two kind of felt like uh, maybe not a must win, but you certainly wanted to get that one 
Uh, now game three is is pretty much all a must win, right? You, you're not going to, you know, teams don't generally come back from 3-0 down. So uh, they're not my Islanders. They're not the Islanders. They're your Islanders. I'm putting the blame on you people, all you Islander fans out there. And, and last night, you know, you always have that conversation. What's a more painful way to lose? Is it is it worse to lose in a blowout or is it worse to lose in a in a nip and tuck game? Well, I, I think you got your answer, right? Like that that was certainly more painful to watch. Like game one, you chalk it up to be in game one. If if you're gonna lose a game in a blowout, if you're gonna lose any time, game one, you can recover from that. Game two is more painful. It's more painful because the game winner came with eight seconds to go. It's more painful because it's game two, right? Each game is more important than the one before. And it's more painful, I think, and not that I'm some Islander expert, not that I'm some hockey expert, but I think that was the kind of game that you wanted to play. That was the tight game that was, you know, nip and tuck, and you still were not able to get a win. And you had a lead. You had a one nothing lead uh, basically a minute and a half into the game, and you were never able to score again. And Tampa was playing shorthanded, and you still lost. So a very difficult way to lose. And now you got to have to question, you know, is, is game three, it's, it's all but a must win, right? You've played in front in these series. You jumped out against Florida. You jumped out early on Washington. Same thing with the Flyers. So now down two games to none, it's, a, it's about doing everything you can to find a way to score some goals in game three and try to get back in this series. So that's the Islander story. That's the Yankee story. And then I guess the third story is football's back. Can't wait for Chiefs-Texans tonight. Sunday you get Jets-Bills. Monday you get Giants-Steelers. So coming up, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776 is the phone number. We'll get into the, uh, the NFL a little bit, a little football, a little NFL poll question today. I think it's pretty clear that the Chiefs, everybody kind of said, if you had to put money on somebody, the odds notwithstanding, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Well, Chiefs just coming off a Super Bowl win. Certainly the future seems bright, and it almost seems like people are tabbing them as the next dynasty after winning one Super Bowl. So the poll question for today is, Chiefs are the overwhelming favorites, but of the five, who do you think is their stiffest competition? Is it the Ravens? I get why well, he only can go with four, right? I can't. I know somebody's going to say, no, 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 it's, it's the Eagles. You know, I, I know that that's going to happen. Who do you think is the stiffest competition? I gave you four options, obviously. Ravens, a lot of people like the Ravens this year. Lamar Jackson, can he get it done in the playoffs? The Cowboys, all oh, the cow- everybody, you know, either you love or hate them. And now with the, a new coach, is it going to be the same old story? The Saints, a lot of people like the Saints this year. Might be their final, you know, the window of opportunity might be closing there. And then, of course, the other big uh, headline team that a lot of people are t- paying attention to because of the acquisition, the uh, signing of uh, Tom Brady, the Buccaneers. So those are your four. Out of those four, who do you think poses the greatest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs this year? That's the poll question. Oh, so much to do, including the Yankees getting a big win last night. The NFL has returned, or it does tonight at least. And our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is uh, all about the return of the NFL. And, uh, you know, obviously the Chiefs are in action tonight as they face off against the Texans. And the overwhelming favorites this year seems like Kansas City. Everybody's just kind of tabbed them. And I can understand why, right? Like, you know. They just won the Super Bowl. The last football game we watched, it was all about the Chiefs and uh, their offense and their quarterback. It seems primed, right, for uh, another big season for them. Score points. They're unlike uh, what they said uh, about uh, Adam Gase. 
He's coaching where the game is going. The Chiefs are actually taking the game where it's going. So uh, Kansas City is the overwhelming favorite. But who do you think, out of all the teams, do you think are uh, the stiffest competition? You could certainly, you know, if there's one that I did not include, somebody who's already saying the Colts. I went with the big four, I think. The biggest four. Uh, Ravens, maybe not the biggest four, but the four that I think get the most attention. Ravens, Cowboys, Saints, and Buccaneers. Well, I think I've already, if I were to vote, I think that uh, if I had a vote, maybe not feel overwhelmingly uh, confident in one team. The one that I feel the least confident in is the Buccaneers. I think that the Buccaneers, are the classic case of that team that makes a bunch of moves that seems like on paper everything should make, oh, look at the talent, look at the receivers, you bring in Tom Brady, all these different things. They're prime. Oh, Gronkowski's there now. Uh, I I have a lot of questions about what, what Tom Brady has left, and I know that that might be sacrilege to some, but last year I know he didn't have a lot of weapons around him, but he did not look like a player that I would be banking my Super Bowl hopes on at this point. And that's somebody, that comes from somebody who, even in the playoffs last year, thought that they'd be able to flip the switch and, and uh, go deeper than they did. But uh, I am a little, and it kind of goes back to the, you know, he's 43 years old. And all it takes is, you know, for anybody is one hit, and it's a new situation. It's all these different things for a guy who's never really had, you know, there's change every single season for every team. But this is a whole new ballpark for him. And uh, I just do not have a whole lot of faith that the Buccaneers are now going to be this team that's going to roll through the uh, season and end up uh, in the Super Bowl. So then it comes down to the other three. So let's take the Buccaneers out. The Cowboys are interesting to me because, A, they're the Cowboys, and they – it always seems like they are less than the sum of their parts. It always seems like, and I think that part of that was the previous coach that they had, and I'm interested to see how the new coaching staff there does with Mike McCarthy because that is a, uh, that, that's a team whose window of opportunity is open right now as much as they're going to have, and they have questions about you know signing the quarterback or not, but they are a team that should be competing this year for a title. They have all the weapons that you could possibly want. And it's kind of, I, I think that this year will go a long way to see, you know, just how much of the issue there was coaching. Because Mike McCarthy, while, while some people will say, oh, you know, he's stuck in his ways, he's not as good as his record indicate. Mike McCarthy can coach. I mean, come on, stop it. I, I mean, now he can't, the guy wins Super Bowls, his record is what it is, but now he can't coach. Nobody can coach, right? So uh, I'm interested to see what the value of, 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 even if it's league average, I feel like in the past the Cowboys got uh, below average coaching in the past. So I'm interested to see what Mike McCarthy. But I would not, um, I would not put my uh, my eggs in that basket. So I think it would kind of come down to between the Ravens and Saints. And if I had to go with one, I guess I'd probably go Saints because I think that speaking of windows of opportunity, this might be it for them. And you know they've got the one Super Bowl there. Drew Brees has got the one Super Bowl, and. Um, this, you know, this might be his final year there. So that window, and they've had some very painful playoff la- losses in the past. Sometimes that spurs you to new heights the following season. So if I had to pick one, I would probably go with the Saints over the Ravens. I still have a little questions about um, about Lamar Jackson and the playoffs. I know he was the MVP last year, and he's a brilliant quarterback. But let's, you know, the, the two playoff losses his play has really not stood up. So uh, until you get over that hump, there's going to be questions about it. So if I had to pick one, uh, I'd probably pick uh, I'd probably pick the Saints. But you can vote on the poll question. It is up on Twitter. It is at Gordon Damer. 
and um, that that's the story there. Now, of course, you ha- I did not include the Jets or the Giants in the poll question today. Uh, I don't think that uh, they're going to be providing uh, that level of competition this year. Although, as I've said in the past, uh, I'm interested to see what the Giants are going to be. The Giants, if nothing else, are interesting. They are an interesting team because the new coach is such an unknown. The quarterback is in year two. And they, they are a team that should be able to score. And if you're able to score, that in and of itself makes you interesting. So I think it's a huge year for, for Daniel Jones, and it's a huge year, really, for Saquon Barkley. You know, this is his third year, and I think it's time for his production to kind of match his Q rating. I mean, nobody questions the talent. Uh, last You know, the first season was excellent, but then last year that injury that I think that even when he came back, he was still injured, and he was just not the same player. So this offense is not going to be just one-dimensional. It's not just going to be handing off to Saquon. I mean, they should be able to move the ball. They should, be, you know, they they seem to have a ton of weapons, wide receivers. Evan Ingram, can he stay healthy for for a long enough period of time? So I think the Giants are interesting. I don't know if they're going to be very good, but I think that they should be interesting and they should be at least fun to watch. And Joe Judge, you know, he's such an unknown. I brought this point up before that he's been given an incredibly difficult task taking over a team during the situation that he has, a team that over the last three years has been as bad as anyone. So it's not been the most talented team, and now it's about Joe Judge coaching at the, in the NFL, at the head coach position for the first time, coaching anywhere as a head coach for the first time. He has got a very difficult task ahead of him, but uh, I think that they are certainly more interesting they have been uh, than they have been over the last few I mean, there's no question that Joe Judge's personality gets you interested far more than Pat Shermer, uh, for, far more than Ben McAdoo. So I think that that would be the word I would use to, to describe the Giants. And then when it comes to the Jets, coming off a 7-9 and nine year, this is year three of Sam Darnold. And, I mean, how much time have we spent when it comes to anything Jets saying the name Sam Darnold? And we touched on him a little bit yesterday because the expectations – are not very high. It's te- clearly an organization that's a work in progress. The depth at cornerback, uh, the depth at wide receiver is still not where you need it to be. Depth, it feels like, has always been an issue with the Jets over the last, I don't know, five years or so. And I think that that simply is feeling the effects of the Mike McCagnan era, right? People bring up, you, you, you select the wrong quarterback, it sets you back. Well, what do you think having the wrong GM does? Blowing draft pick after draft pick after draft pick. So there are certainly things that are that need to be worked out there. Um, but in terms of the quarterback, and that's where I want to really kind of focus the discussion, is I know this is not going to be for Jet fans because they've said he was the guy since he was drafted. But make mo- no mistake, this is by far the biggest year of Sam Darnold's career. History shows, as I've said before, if, you, if you're a franchise quarterback and your franchise quarterback does not show tangible evidence of consistency and high-level play, you know, not just over one game, every quarterback who is taken high in the first two years, they show flashes. Mitch Trubisky showed flashes. Jameis, Jameis Winston showed flashes. Uh, Marcus Mariota showed flashes. All those guys showed flashes. Sam Darnold has shown flashes. But by the, by the end of year three, 
almost certainly you have to prove that you are for sure the guy. Otherwise, history shows that you probably won't be. Now, again, to Jet fans, they've said he's the guy since he was drafted. So they're kind of, you know, they're not exactly fair judges. They only focus on the positives. And the rest, at least so far, have been chalked up to excuses. But going into this year, I'm not saying that the Jets have to be good or have to improve from where they where they were last year or where they finished because I think the 7-9 was uh, you know a little bit fraudulent considering the way they went about getting it. And I've never believed that uh, how you finish one year spurs you the next year. There might be example here or there, but largely there's no carryover from one year to the next. But already it feels like for Jet fans, it seems like that they're – already pointing out the the obstacles from Sam Darnold. You know, this is the way you ruin a quarterback. They, they, they still haven't fixed this or that. Well, look, it's one offseason, and the GM went out and improved the offensive line, certainly made moves to improve the offensive line. You used, what, the 11th pick on a left tackle. You have a running back making $12 million a season. This idea that Sam has no weapons. You know, Jamison Crowder as a slot receiver is a very good slot receiver. Chris Herndon is back. You know, this idea that, well, you know, you don't have the weapons. He has weapons. And you know what the more important part is? The more important point is? It's Sam's job to elevate the weapon. There's a reason why we all agree quarterback is the most important position in sports. It's up to him to get the best out of them, not the other way around. Not when you're the third pick in the draft. Now, I'm not saying it's a perfect situation. Of course not. But again, if you need a perfect situation, if you need all these receiver, a perfect offensive line, I need a game-breaking tight end, well, if you need all those things around you to be perfect, well, then you are part of the problem. He's got to prove that he can be consistent on a weekend week out basis. That would be a step in the right direction. Another thing, he's got to prove he can stay healthy for 16 games. Jet fans will cook up every excuse because they are so invested in him being the guy. It's almost like somebody who's part of a Ponzi scheme that doesn't want to see that it's a Ponzi scheme. Now, I don't know whether Sam Darnold's going to turn out to be the guy or not. I thought that that was the right pick at the time, but I got to be honest with you, as a, as a neutral observer, as a non-Jet fan, I've seen things that are concerning to me moving forward. But this year, there's no more excuses. I don't want to hear about the coach or the talent, the weapons, oh, it's a strange year. Enough. It's about proving once and for all, on a week-in, week-out basis, that you are the right guy. Because you've shown some flashes. But flashes are just that. And those, those flashes are actually more painful and more uh, detrimental if that's all they're ever going to be, because those will allow you into a false sense of security. Well, you know, we just got to do this more. Oh, we just got to do that more. If you have to, again, if you have to have everything perfect for the quarterback to succeed, you don't got the right quarterback. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get a call in. Matt in Queens. Matt, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon. Nice to speak with you. You know, after your last few statements, I'm almost a little hesitant to say what I'm going to say, but... You know, I'm not all in with this, you know, Donald has to prove it this year because 
of a comment that someone made about Tom Brady an hour or two ago on the radio. You know, Tom Brady had a very average year last year because he didn't have talent. Now, you're talking about the greatest quarterback in history with the greatest coach in history, and he couldn't do it. Now, I agree Donald has some weapons. You've got a road grader at left tackle, and you got Le'Veon Bell, okay? But we also have a coach that doesn't seem to want to use Le'Veon Bell, not in the way that's most advantageous to him. And you don't really have, you know, a vertical threat. You got some. You got a good slot receiver. You know, you got possession receiver, but you don't really have a, a vertical threat, and that's what you need in the in today's NFL. But Matt, all right. So first not, off, well, you know, we're talking about on, you, you brought up Tom Brady. We'll have a conversation. You brought up Tom Brady. Tom Brady last year threw for four thousand yards. I mean, I know he didn't have a whole lot of weapons. He still threw 24 touchdowns uh, and eight interceptions. So, I mean, if you were to get that kind of year out of Sam Darnold, you would, uh, Jet fans would be doing cartwheels. And, and yeah, I get it. Okay. He doesn't, he's not stocked with every single thing. But it's the quarterback's job to elevate what he does have. If you have, the, well, if you have a true, great quarterback. It's a, bit of a, it's a little bit of a two-way street. I mean, he's, I mean, like you take a Julian Edelman. I mean, he got rejected from a team. I mean, I've seen Julian Edelman make, you know, spectacular catches, grabs, you know, in the middle of, you know, all mm-hmm. these guys all around him. It's not that Tom Brady always hits him in the numbers in stride. No, uh, but, you know, the, 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 I don't think that anybody, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what uh, Edelman turns out to be now that he doesn't have Tom Brady and he's got Cam Newton. But, yeah, the, the, you know, you look at quarterbacks around the league, the, the truly great quarterbacks, and I'm not saying that he has to go out and throw for 40 touchdowns, but he's got to show more than these little flashes in one game or the next. I mean, you look at the, the chart, you know, if you were to chart his performance last year for, for Darnold, it's very hot, you know, the highs are high, but the lows are really low. You can't, you can't build a team and think that you for sure have the guy when the highs are that high and the lows are that low from week to week. So what's the plan for Donald? Well, let's say Donald relatively looks maybe slightly better than last year. I mean, what, what's, the, what's the plan? You want to you bring in another quarterback? You want to try drafting a quarterback? I mean, you know, what's, what's their plan? Well, look, Matt, I don't think they're going to be a very good team either way. Um, but if he does not show, and Matt, thanks for the call. I'm already running late. It never fails. I'm already running late when I'm not supposed to be. Um, but if he doesn't show on a week-in, week-out basis some level of consistency, I do. Now, I don't think the Jets, you know, there's, a, there's two prongs here. Will the Jets do it or should they do it? I don't think that they will do it. But if you get through this year, and Sam Darnold has roughly the same kind of years he had the first two years, yeah, I think that you probably should be having the conversation because that next contract is coming up sooner rather than later. You know, this is already going to be year three that he's done. It's not, un- it's not inconceivable that after year three, you're talking about an extension with the guy. And if you're going to be sitting in a boat where it's going to be one week, hey, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and then the next week he's seeing ghosts, or you know he's he's putting up performances like he did uh, against um, against Miami last year, or you know some of the other games that he had last year. Uh, I do think that you have to have that question. Now the problem is, Jet fans don't want the coach who's right there right now. They have no confidence in him having that 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 power at all, and they're so invested in the quarterback from the moment he went because they're so desperate to finally have that guy. I do think that they're kind of shielding their eyes to some of the stark realities. 
And the stark reality is that even going into year three, I don't think Sam Darnold has proven anything yet that he is for sure definitely going to be the guy who's going to lift the Jets to be this, uh, you know, perennial playoff contending type team. And he drives one out to right field, chasing Conforto back to the warning track over his head, and he made the catch! Oh, my God. Oh, wow! Michael Conforto saves three runs with a remarkable play. It was over his head, it hit the glove, it popped up, he caught it a second time, and he saves three runs. Mets with some outstanding outfield play in that inning, none better than Conforto. What a grab. All right, so here's your moment of inspiration. And look, as I tell you all the time, I'm about bringing people together, finding common ground, working together for a common goal. And the Mets, they got a nice win last night against the Orioles. Yeah, sure, you know, Rick Porcello was garbage, but that was good for the Mets. It was good for the Yankees. It's good for everybody. It's good for New York. And again, I would like to point that out during the moment of inspiration. Your moment of inspiration for this uh, Thursday morning. Gary Cohen, obviously, the call on SNY. And hey, the Islanders are in the Stanley Cup Conference Finals. And MSG has complete live coverage before and after every game. Tomorrow night, 7.30, get ready for Game 3 against the Lightning with the team that's been with you all season long. Shannon, Butch, and AJ preview the matchup on uh, the Islanders game night. Then immediately after Game 3, tune back to MSG Plus for complete coverage, including in-depth analysis and player interviews of your team, your network, MSG Plus, your home for Islanders Stanley Cup playoff coverage before and after every single game. All right, so it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Poll question up for today, all about uh, the Chiefs' biggest competition. Phone number 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And that moment of inspiration, I, 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 I kind of buried the lead there as well. Could there be anybody more excited for Moneybag Steve Cohn to take over than Michael Conforto? I think he's got one more year of arbitration, and then he's a free agent. He's a homegrown Met. He'll be, what, 28 after next season? So it doesn't look like, let's hope for his sake, he doesn't have to take some way below market deal like Jacob deGrom did and uh, will actually get paid the, uh, the, the, the proper amount from the team if he wants to re-sign there. So he's been, a, he's been an above average to excellent player for the Mets, and this year is no different. Now, it's only a 60-game season, and it's probably not going to end up uh, mattering at all but when we talk about stats, uh, I want to pull up Michael Conforto's stats. Every single year, he has been an above-average to excellent player. The first year that, uh, you know, the, the 2017, that was the all-star year, 24 years of age, an OPS of 939, an OPS plus where 100 is an average player. He was 148. Then the last couple of years, he's been just simply above average. And you know what? This is the, he is a perfect example of where people get things wrong with batting average. It's reliance on batting average. Yeah, he only hit 243 2 years ago. But he was on base 35% of the time. Last year, 250, oh, he's only a 257 hitter. What does it matter if he's getting on base 36% of the time? And this year he's been excellent. 
He is uh, back to uh, he's, uh, his best season so far. Now, again, it's only, what, 44, 45 games? Uh, 167 is his OPS plus, so way over 100. And uh, his OPS is 973. So he is an excellent player for the Mets and uh, is having an excellent year. And you would think he's going to really be able to cash it now that the Wilpons are out of the way. Boy, oh, boy, did he do the right thing by waiting for a long-term extension to get uh, Steve Co- Steve Cohen spent uh, $14 million on that stupid statue that I keep seeing. He could certainly spend a whole lot more than that a year on uh, – Michael Conforto. Uh, it, before we get back to the phones, one 919 espn The NBA game last night, that, not that I was focused exclusively on it, but the Raptors able to, uh, to beat the Celtics in double overtime. So that will force a Game 7 there. And uh, it's been brought up before. You know, the Raptors, uh, they're like uh, Teddy KGB. They got alligator blood. They just don't die, which is kind of strange given that they're dinosaurs, right? The Raptors. But uh, that game had so many plays end of regulation, end of the first OT, end of the second one, that pass by Tatum. Like they, it was a, it was a three point game. They had the Celtics had one last chance that pass by Tatum to smart. If that, and that shot looked like it was good when off his hand, if that shot had gone in, that would have been an even better pass than the, the one that Lowry made to, to at, at the end of game three for the game winning shot. So the Celtics seemed kind of gassed at the end. And I guess it's kind of uh, unknowable about just how much, you know, it's a Game 7. Everybody can get up for a Game 7. But, you know, I think that's the case when Game 7 starts. How much of a, you know, how much of a wearing down effect can a game like that, you know, they've now had two games come down to basically single plays. And we'll see if that has any carryover for for the Celtics. Because, you know, the Raptors wanted that game. And uh, judging by some of the calls, you know, the NBA really wanted a Game 7. And you know what the best part of that game was last night? Now, again, I was not exclusively focused on it, but the best part from the parts that I did see, you got that entire game, this double overtime game, this back-and-forth battle where both teams had a chance to win, and never once, not once that, that I saw, did I ever have to watch Drake on the sidelines jumping around and making it about him? How delightful was that? That was delightful. All right, one 919 ESPN, one 3776 Let's squeeze in some more calls. We've been talking about the Yankees this morning, Sam Darnold's expectations, the NFL start of the season. You got the NBA, the Islanders. It's all there for you. Uh, let's go to John in Jersey. John, you're next up on uh, ESPN New York. Hey, good morning, Gordon. Uh, first time, long time. Thanks, man. So I had a question about Sam Darnold. When okay. when he was in the draft, he was one of these high-rated guys. Mm-hmm. But one of the one of the my concerns with him always was he was always a high high floor guy. Are you better off with a guy who's going to boom or bust like Josh Rosen, where where you kind of know what he is now, or a guy like Donald or your Winston or your Mariota's, where eight years down you're in your second contract before you really know if these guys are the guy or not. I mean, it's easy for me to say, John, because my job is not based on it, right? Uh, so if you're in that position, if you take a boomer bust guy and he busts, you're probably going to lose your job. But as just a fan, which I am, I would much rather go high ceiling, low floor than a guy that I can always kind of convince myself can, oh, you know what, if he can just do this, if he can just do that. I, I know it sounds crazy to say after three years, 
But if the history has shown, if you as a quarterback don't show in three years that you can consistently be the guy, you generally don't end up showing it. So I would say, if it were me as a fan, I would rather have the boomer bust guy rather than trying to to convince myself that uh, I I do have the guy. He just needs more time. That is your question. Yeah, thank you. All right, John. Thanks, man. See, I'm about bringing people together, Brian. I say it every single day. You do. I'm a, and people keep pointing me as uh, and painting me as this divisive figure. I'm always trying guy. to stir up trouble. I mean, after all, Hater. you know me. I who am I? I'm Gordon Damer, Michael K. Show trivia champion. I'm always about bringing people together, and also Stump Rothenberg, living legend, Gordon Damer. It's a performance they're still talking about. If somehow the Yankees were to miss the playoffs, which I don't think, I've never thought that they were going to. Uh, I, I admit they have to pick things up. I, we pointed that out earlier. But it would be a little, wouldn't it be a little tasty if uh, the Yankees made the playoffs and the Astros missed the play? I mean, would that just be sensational? Oh my goodness, that would be fantastic and I would have to say like we came into the baseball season saying that and at points we, we pointed it out you know this is kind of a, a farce of a season right the new rules 60 games it's not really what baseball is and if I told you ahead of time that the baseball playoffs would include you know the Blue Jays the White Sox if the Astros miss and the Yankees miss, uh, the Orioles, the Padres, the Giants, the Cardinals, that there would be teams that would probably maybe make the playoffs with under 500 records. I think that if I told you that beforehand, and I didn't tell you that the Yankees were out, but I gave you all those other you know teams and, 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 the, and the, the situation, uh, I think you would say, yeah, it just shows you that the, the season's a bit of a farce. But luckily, the Yankees aren't going to miss the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs because they're back. I don't know if you heard, but last night they went out. And you know what they did? They won a game. They won a baseball game. They won a baseball game. 7-2. They scored runs. The bullpen didn't stink. Aaron Boone knows how to manage again. Oh, thank God. Davey Garcia to the rescue. Davey Garcia, who was born in 1999. I have shirts from 1999. Thank God for Davey Garcia. Thank God for Clint Frazier and Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres is good again. Oh, what a wondrous night as the Yankees are back. And uh, I kind of likened it to earlier. If you've ever moved, this is the time of the year with the Yankees right now being where they're at. Hopefully they've hit rock bottom and they're now starting to bounce back and and get things pointed in the right direction. And only time will tell. I can't say for sure that the Yankees are back. But I've kind of likened it to if you've ever moved, and I don't mean as as a single guy, when you have stuff, when you're married or you got kids, and you move and you start first start planning. And you get the boxes from home. De- you get everything all nice and lined up. You got the bubble wrap. You're taking your time. You label everything. Everything's organized. Well, at some point, time starts to slip away. You get closer to that closing date. 
And uh, at some stage, you're generally going around your house just throwing things into black garbage bags. You know, you're just firing things. In. I, I got no time left. I got too much to do. Well, that's the Yankees. It's time to start firing things into black garbage bags. And uh, it's time to get moving because time is uh, starting to wear down. And uh, you get the win last night. The Orioles, they blow a 5-1 lead to the Mets. So they lost. The Tigers lost 19-0. So the playoffs, despite our level of panic, mine included, the playoffs for the Yankees are still very much within reach. And uh, I think we're starting to get a little carried away with the amount of problems. Still have some of them. Still got to fix them. Still got to play better. No question. Because when you get to the playoffs, you got to be playing a whole lot better than you are right now. But at least for one night anyway, things were right. The Islanders find a more difficult way to lose than even 8-2 as they uh, lose with eight seconds left. More painful, more painful because it's game two. More painful really because that was your kind of game. And you weren't able to get it done. And then, of course, we've been talking about Sam Darnold as well. All right, let's get to some phone calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN before we run out of time. Uh, Spike is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on, man? Why, God, I wake up this morning. I hop in the shower. And I put my computer on because I fell asleep. I was watching a basketball game. And the Yankees won the game to the uh, – uh, Yeah, it is shocking, by the way, to the Michael K. Trivia champion. Thank you, my friend. Yes, there you go. That's the music spike. And That's the, how you know uh, you nailed it. Living legend of the Stump Rothenberg. Yes. All right, you're stomping on Spike. Give him his time. We're running out of time. Here, All right, All right I'll, go do, ahead, Spike. I'll do it real fast. The kid, the kid looks really good. This uh, Garcia kid. He's about five nine. I like to see him face in the playoffs. Uh, what's his name? Altuve from uh, Houston. Yeah, well, two, let's two see. Guys they might, there. they might not be there. They, you know, they're now below the Yankees in the standings. Yeah, well, that'll change. Just, listen, the better, the better teams will come back. They'll come back. You're not going to see Detroit and Baltimore. Come on, you know. I don't think that. so either. Yeah, but it I would be think. nice if, if, if any team was going to lose, it would be nice for Houston to miss out. Yeah, that sure would be an ending to a bad year. We still have a few months. Stay safe. All right, Spike. Thanks for the call. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven. Yeah, the, the Astros. They are now at 500, so the Yankees have moved ahead of the Astros. And next up in their sights, the Toronto Blue Jays. And look, again, I'm kind of joking, but, I mean, take a look at the baseball. I mean, the Rays have been sensational, and they've beaten the Yankees uh, nine ways to Sunday. But is there a team in the playoffs that you say to yourself, oh, my God, how are the Yankees ever going to beat that? It's really about the Yankees playing better than they are. You're scared about the the, the A's or the White Sox or the Indians or the Twins? The Twins? The Blue Jays? I mean, come on. You know, they, they got to get healthy, start playing better, and move on. All right, Jose's in Jersey. Jose, quickly, my friend. We're running out of time. Hi, I do go the first time. Long listener. Thanks, man. Um, two, two things, brother. Um, first, week one, I have Prescott and Big Ben. Who are you starting? Uh, I would probably start Prescott, which tells you that the, the probably the right guy to go with is Big Ben. But I would go with Prescott. What's the other okay. question? Second, the other question is um, about Kansas City. How yeah. about if Big Ben is healthy? Steelers. What do you think about Steelers on that one? Well, Steelers are a popular pick this year. I mean, you, I mean, you do have to keep in mind that he's coming off a pretty major injury, and he's you know he's kind of getting up there as well. So I, it's not the, the the greatest situation. He's been a very durable guy in the past. And Jose, thanks for the call. Um, I, you know, look, the Steelers. Let's uh, see if they can keep the quarterback healthy and. You know, uh, I think they're going to have a good season. I just don't look at them as some team going into the year where I'm like, oh, wow, the Steelers are going to be real uh, Super Bowl contenders. By the way, the Gordon Damer show fantasy football mushing continues. 
Travis Kelsey, another guy on my team, just all of a sudden pops up on the injured list. Just out of nowhere. Guy's perfectly fine getting ready for the season opener. Oh, yeah, by the way, let's put him on the injured list. I, to- I gave you the people. I gave you the list. Stay Whatever I say or whatever I pick in terms of uh, fantasy football, it's a mush. It's, it, it, you can't overcome it. So, unfortunately, for Jamison Crowder and Chris Herndon, that's going to be a factor because they are on the team. And they will remain on the team no matter how bad it goes, just because I'm that spiteful. All right, that's going to do it for us for today. Another wonderful show in the books. Please follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.